Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times raved that this movie was such fun it makes you wish you were a kid again. Christopher Manfett of IGN Movies called it the rare film capable of turning its flaws into strengths. And New York Times critic Vincent Canby claimed it was a silly attempt to crossbreed an hour gang comedy with a classic horror film. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of the Monster Squad. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Starfighters, how you doing out there? It's crazy. How is everyone? I yeah. I for anybody who's listening to this way in the future from when this comes out. I first of all, yeah. Hello, it's Ruined Childhoods, and then also we're recording this during the COVID nineteen pandemic. I don't know. Uh, the not, Great Coronavirus Pandemic of twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, not everybody's in lockdown, but a lot of people are, and California yeah, is as of the time of this recording. Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger with his with his ponies. Yeah. It's whiskey and Lulu. If you people in the future, if you haven't seen this yet, Arnold Schwarzenegger's been doing you know who he is, I'm sure. And he has been posting wonderful videos uh encouraging people to stay socially distant because of the COVID nineteen coronavirus transmission. Yes. And but Arnold has Arnold and many other uh celebrities and people have been delightful in the early days of yeah this. so i i hope that everybody's doing okay uh this is such a bananas time but what really works out well for the two of us is that we already record this podcast from two different locations myself at my home in portland and dan at his home in seattle so we don't have yeah. to figure out a new plan for how to make this podcast. And yeah, so th- we've got that going for us. Oh, yes, we are. Our, uh, there's going to be a lot more energy. Not that we don't already put a lot of energy into this podcast, but already there's just been, I would say, a focusing of the mind and a a a, a train of thought related to this podcast and and what we do here and talking about movies right. and and I prequels and sequels and reboots and bef- before we before oh, we move on yeah. I just want to uh let anybody out there uh know who maybe is also a podcaster I've been doing some coaching for podcasters on how to do their podcasts remotely really cheap or free ways to make it happen without making yourself crazy and um, I don't know, uh, while keeping things still relatively high quality. So if anybody here is a podcaster and you are looking for some assistance, you can email us ruinchildhoodspod at gmail.com and uh, I am happy to help. And John, while we're speaking of the, you know, many wonderful skills that you possess and services that you provide. I thought, and you, so I thought this would be a good opportunity to perhaps share as a, as an employee of the Portland art museum, kind of what's being, what's happening on the, the museum scene, which, which relies on people. Yeah. So I'm the media producer at Portland art museum. I produce museum's podcast and any of the videos that we create are done by myself and uh, as well as with the help of many other people at the museum in different aspects and what's interesting is that pretty much every museum in the world is closed right now and if that is not the case the rest of them are strongly being urged to close so there is a hashtag called museum from home 
So if you are in need of some art or culture, then check that out on Instagram or Twitter or wherever. That is in addition to this podcast, of course. Yeah, clearly. Yes. If you're looking for something a little less highbrow than Ruined Childhoods, but still generally pretty highbrow, check out the Museum from Home hashtag. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on from museums all over the world. And what's really fascinating is that since everybody is going through the same thing, everybody is also kind of like scrambling and just kind of getting stuff out there. And what's really cool is that you're going to see a lot of really big name institutions putting stuff out that's like not super polished, very like run and gun. And it's really interesting to see. It's really, really cool. So one of the things I've been doing is, you know, we just opened up a lot of uh, new exhibitions recently that people might not ever get a chance to see depending on how long, you know, everybody is having to stay socially distant from one another. And uh, I'm taking some installation photography shots that are done by our uh, collections and exhibition photographer, Ben. Shout out Ben Court. Good dude. Um, And I'm taking those and pairing them with either existing audio or finding a way to get audio from the curators talking about the exhibitions and kind of doing virtual walkthroughs that are going up on YouTube and social media channels for the Portland Art Museum. So if you're looking to, I don't know, get yourself some, get, get a little art fix, that's a, it's a good way of doing it. The hashtag museum from home. Very cool, man. Very, Very cool, cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, I, it, and what's up? Uh, of course we are taking things we're taking things seriously. We are taking our necessary precautions. One of my one of my little self care things is has been uh, after the my morning kindergarten class that I hold in my in my house with my daughter and three friends who we we trust the the families and we're like okay we're pretty sure we can kind of do this. So I because I'm used to teaching high school. And now I'm teaching kinder, these four kindergartners in the morning, and it's a big change. But after uh, after that, I I, go, I take my bike out, and it's been the weather's been very pleasant in Seattle, so I take my bike out and riding around, and you know people people are out, uh-huh. people are. People are taking people are taking walks, and I was dogs still need to get walked. Dogs do still need to get walked, but and you you know, and it's it's nice out, and everybody's and it was kind of like it was i it was idyllic, and as I was riding as I was riding around, I see like you know like couples who normally would be at work on a you know Wednesday at th- at like two p.m. are are taking a walk through the neighborhood mm-hmm. together. They're not, and you know, it's not, we're not talking about, you know, I'm not like not a bunch of house parties going on. We're not, I'm not talking about Florida. Yeah. Ugh. But. Idiot. Yeah. I don't care. Idiots. I, I, is it wrong that I just watch those videos of those spring breakers and just think, I hope I, if they don't get coronavirus, I hope they get something. They've awful. probably already got something. Let's face it. On spring. Yes. Facts. So I, I'm riding around and I'm thinking, I'm like, this is really, I'm, this is like this really nice, you wouldn't think there's a national emergency. Everyone's just enjoying it. It's like, it's spring. Today's the, today, the day that we are recording this is the first day of it's spring. beautiful out, at least here. Gorgeous, gorgeous here. And everybody's, everybody's out. And I'm thinking to myself, this is this is the honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. And this is that where everyone's like, oh, wow. Because of course, you know, we all work really hard. We work nonstop. We're in our offices from from dawn till dusk and then some. And now people are like, oh, wow, it's really nice outside. And I get to, I, oh, I get to go out and I'm, oh, I'm going to eat lunch at home with my, with whoever, with my family. Yeah. Hopefully if, if you're, I mean, and and yes, there are there are people out there who are not in a, a fortunate position to have people that they can be kind of 
quarantined yeah. with. But you get the point. It's this really, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what's going to happen when it starts raining? Oh, yeah. And I'm in Seattle. So at Forch, the timing is pretty solid because we're we're exiting rainy season, but it is still possible that we could see a week of, of rain. It is also possible that this goes on for a while and it gets into our fall rainy season. Yeah. But I'm like, what happens? And I thought to myself, I say, you take that and you add to that the circumstances of uh, like like California is doing and possibly more states by the time this episode drops, but a shelter in place where and, and people are, are, are afraid to go out and a lot more people are staying in. It's not quite 12 monkeys, which I think that's right. like 2023. <laughs> so weird, but it it's kind of people are staying off the streets and that's what I what I wonder. And I I kind of was felt awful for thinking this, but I'm like, is this how we get to the Warriors? No. Is this how we get to the gangs and people who are saying, you know what, the cops aren't gonna the cops are keeping their distance too. And you get to the point and people like start breaking. I'm like looking at the evolution of this. And I was also thinking I was like part warriors, part the end of rise of the planet of the apes. Oh yeah. Like when he's in the airport at the end and it's just all like the flights are getting canceled and you're like, Oh, and now people have it. it, it I think it's like a pandemic at, of yeah. the, uh, and the it, Simeon. If it was the end of 12 monkeys, it, there would also be an airport, but David Morse would be there. Oh, Yes, he would. <laughs> His little ponytail. David Morse. Yeah, oh, I love David Morse. So uh, We on this yeah, podcast John, are thinking... taking a pro-David Morse stance. We are pro-David Morse. Oh, and this is for years, by the way. We're not yeah. just adopting the pro-David Morse stance because it's the cool thing to do. We are, we are long-time fans. If you listen to our episode on The Long Kiss Goodnight, the Shane Black penned Long Kiss Goodnight, you would know oh. that David Morse is, you know, a big name for us. It's yeah, that's yeah. top celebrity, A list. So, so, so anyway, that's kind of where I was going with this. Was I, I, I felt myself, and I also I saw like a bunch of kids like who go to the high school where I teach. I saw them kind of like walking around, and they were not in a menacing gang or any i they were they probably were smoking a joint based on who 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 i saw i don't know i didn't get close enough to look but well there's anyway yeah there's one more thing i want to mention there's one more thing i want to mention about the times that we're living in right now and it ties into our podcast clearly the streaming services financially are going to be doing fine during this time but movie theaters are hurting right now. They you can't go to them. They're most likely no, all closed. They're, they're so closed. I want to suggest to everybody to find ways to buy gift cards, anything you can yeah. for the movie theaters to keep them uh, keep them afloat. The people who work there are maybe losing their jobs because of this. So and especially especially your local theaters. Yes. All movie theaters. All movie theaters are going to get hurt by this. But yeah. think about your local theaters. I know the theater in my neighborhood, which is a historic theater, is you know, it's one of those it's one of those places that I feel like it's always at risk of being lost uh-huh. and it's it's persisted. So that's a really good suggestion, John. In fact, I think well, I'm going to be doing that. Yeah. Movie theaters rule. And you know what else rules, Dan? The Monster Squad? Stephen King rules. Come on. Oh, Stephen King rules. <laughs> ah! Oh, how did I miss? Dan. How did I? Oh, I, I wasn't expecting a segue. I wasn't ready for the segue. Oh, always expect a segue. I've been trying to figure out how to get that in for the past, like, 10 minutes, and we've been recording, like, 14. <laughs> well, I had to go into my, my war, this is how we get to the Warriors spiel. Right, but fortunately, a Warriors situation uh, is not as 
scary as a monster squad situation in a lot of ways. True. In a lot of ways. And, and I think that's what, one of the things that watching the monster squad this past week was added to it. The idea of movies about, of the role of monster movies in our society and the, almost the need of, of humans to, to have a, like their fears embodied. Yeah. Like we have a lot of fears, but a lot of our real fears our deep seated fears are existential. And it's a lot easier to say, Oh no, I'm scared of that mummy. Yeah. In my closet. There's a mummy in my closet. That seems so good. Eugene. Eugene. That uh, seems wonderful. Yes. So mummy came in my house. I'm going to give a very brief synopsis. We're going to have a lot to talk about. So I'm going to keep this brief. Count Dracula comes to America and gathers some friends to recover an ancient amulet that will give him and his fellow monsters immeasurable strength. But when Frankenstein's monster befriends a group of monster fanatics, he has the fight of a lifetime on his hands. That's it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, That's pretty. And then just, just buckle up and enjoy the fun. Yeah. So it centers around a group of, I don't know, middle schoolers. Yeah. Middle schoolers. Yeah. So there's- Like seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, kind of led by Sean, played by Andre Gower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Patrick, played by Robbie Kiger. Horace, who's Brent Chalem, uh, pour one out. Pour one out. Pour one out. Uh, very, very sad. Uh, Ashley Bank plays Phoebe, Sean's younger sister, who is a crucial uh, character in this. Uh, Michael Faustino is Eugene, the aforementioned Eugene. Uh, he's kind of the the little like the little kid. He's like what six? Got to be something around there. Like I think Phoebe is five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then Eugene, as uh, yeah. as Andre's not Andre Sean's parents. Andre is the actor. As Sean's mm-hmm. parents, we have uh, Mary Ellen Trainer, and what's who plays his dad? Oh, Stephen, Stephen Macht. Macht. That's right. Not Eric Roberts. But he does look an awful lot like Eric Roberts. He looks a lot true. like Eric yeah. Roberts, and, and and Mary Ellen Trainer, mm-hmm. probably one of the the most recognizable actors in this. She's the mom in Goonies, right? Uh, sh- What's his face? Not Sean's mom. Sean Astin's mom in Goonies. Yeah. She's the psychiatrist in in the Lethal Weapon. Well, here series. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run through them. We got Romancing the Stone, ah. Goonies, Lethal Weapon, Monster Squad. Clearly, uh, Die Hard, Scrooged, Action Action Jackson, Ghostbusters Two, Lethal Weapon Two, Back to the Future Part Two, uh, Ricochet, which was another Fred Decker. Movie. Oh, Denzel Washington Ricochet? The, that's the only Ricochet I know. I'm sure there's plenty of other Ricochets. Uh, yeah. Lethal Weapon 3, Death Becomes Her, Forrest Gump, very small role. She's in Little Giants, Congo, Executive Decision, Lethal Weapon 4, uh, Anywhere But Here, Freaky Friday, a few other things sprinkled here and there. But... She like pops up in a few movies, yeah. and then in a couple of movies, she has a pretty significant role. She's great. She's a Mary awesome Ellen Trainer mom character, that's for sure. And then and police psychiatrist. Yeah, and then uh, Leonardo Camino as scary German guy. Yeah, and and uh, also very recognizable. You you've seen him in in things. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is the freshman with Marlon Brando oh, and yeah. Matthew Broderick. Uh, yeah, he definitely has a very I don't know interesting look. He's been in stuff since. Forever since uh, 1961, I think was his film debut in Mad Dog Cole and also The Young Savages. His final role was in Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. He also showed up in, I'm going to start from early on and just shout out some of the highlights. Uh, But we've got Amityville 2, The Possession, Dune, Monster Squad clearly, Moonstruck, um, the freshman Hudson. I remember Hawk. him in Moonstruck. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Waterworld, Cradle Rock, Hannibal, and Made in two thousand one, and then yeah, mm-hmm. he's been in just a bunch of stuff. Uh, a lot of yeah. television roles as well. 
But yeah, just this is like a big standout, I would say for I think so. For him. I think so. And this movie, I I don't know exactly how well it did at the time it came out. Oh, not well. Yeah, I mean, not well. It's one of those movies. Yeah, okay, on Wikipedia it says that the film was not a success on its initial release. It subsequent subsequently developed a cult following. Uh 67% of 24 surveys uh survey critics gave the film a positive review. Um yeah. So th- the thing is like this is definitely one that picked up on home video and probably HBO. I have to imagine that's how we saw it a ton as as kids. It would have either been HBO or or a rental. It could have been. I know I was aware of it because it was one of the posters in the lobby when we saw Masters of the Universe. Oh my god, I love it. As I very clearly remember. Yeah, and uh, it's this movie is for sure up at the top of like cult classics. It has a documentary called Wolfman's Got Nards that Andre Gower made, uh, and actually one of the producers on it. I'm sure this is just somebody who kind of bankrolled some stuff is uh craig Pelligian, whose production company pilgrim studios is one that i worked for in the last few years of my time in la uh doing shows like the ultimate fighter swamp pawn wicked tuna um i believe that they also do like naked and afraid and they do a lot of really big reality shows so it was interesting to see that he was involved with wolfman's got nards the uh, the movie about the cult phenomenon like yeah the i i mania i've seen it yeah i saw it yeah i saw it uh a while ago i don't have my copy of the dvd anymore thankfully monster squad currently streaming on hulu right mm-hmm. and uh i just want to add uh, some other a couple other cast members that i want to point out so jason hervey pops up jason hervey i also worked for jason hervey uh, yes, Jason yes. Hervey was the executive producer on a show I did very early in my career uh, called I Want to Be a Hilton. It was Kathy Hilton's show, Paris Hilton's mother, about uh, and it was a competition show about like becoming a socialite because that was uh, 2004. That's when all that stuff was a thing. It's funny because I listened to one of the... The other podcasts that I listen to is co-hosted by one of the other producers of that show, uh, Jason Hervey's former partner, Eric Bischoff. Oh, yeah. What's he up to? Was, what's his show? What's what's 83 Weeks? It's where oh. he talks. So Eric Bischoff ran World Championship Wrestling. Oh, I knew that Jason Hervey got involved in doing like sports documentaries did, and stuff like that. Jason Hervey and Eric Bischoff did... TNA wrestling for a little while or Impact Wrestling. Jason Hervey, of course, as Wayne on the Wonder Years. Uh, He's in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Yeah. You know him. You see his face. And if you, you know him. Was all over the like mid 80s. And somebody else that, somebody else that you maybe might not re- like you certainly wouldn't wouldn't recognize their face in this but who deserves a shout out is Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan who plays Frankenstein's Frank, plays monster. Frankenstein's monster. Let's just and, uh sorry go ahead. Well, I, I so you're bringing up the filmography but I I really want to shout out his voice performance in Anomalisa. Right. Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa where He's Tom Noonan voices everybody. every character except for the David Thewlis character and Jennifer. Does Jennifer Jason Lee voice? No, she voices the one character in that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He's credited as everyone else in Anomalisa, which is an amazing movie. It really is. And must be buds with Charlie Kaufman. Uh, He was in Synecdoche, New York. Um, Yes. Yes. mm -hmm. He was excellent in that. Yeah. He's a bit like New York stage. Right. Like he's, part of that world yeah uh you might also recognize him from around the same time uh he was also in robocop 2 he was in last action hero easy money he was was he in manhunter yes he was so he He was was the uh the tooth fairy in 
Manhunter being the first film adaptation of Red Dragon, the yeah. I guess prequel to Silence of the Lambs, though it was written first. Anyway. A lot of Silence of the Lambs connections with this cast here. We have um the the Hannibal. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Leonardo uh, Leonardo Cimino. Cimino. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, great cast. And then also uh Duncan Rieger as Count Dracula. Who's a very awesome. highly regarded I never realized how highly regarded his performance is among fans of Dracula who've like his performance is voted one of the most faithful really? and accurate performances. Yeah. It's a really great performance. I mean, there's nothing shocking about it aside from the fact that he drives a car and uh, uh, that's maybe the most shocking thing about it, to be honest. There's a lot of, there's a lot of wacky stuff that goes it's on in this movie. It's 87. Nobody yeah. really cared so much about the details. Continuity? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, there's there's so many... How he got this car. Yeah. Where did he rent it from? There's no rental sticker on it. Did he just have the car? It seems to have a custom-made hood ornament. Yeah. So who, well, who I did think, the work so on I it? So I think that the whole situation, because this opens up, I think it's like 126 years or something in the past, and, and um, it's taking place when Van Helsing is the one who is kind of having Dracula sucked into the... What? I made another Silence of the Lambs connection. Ooh. Because Van Helsing was played in Bram Stoker's Dracula by Anthony Hopkins. Okay, that's... Hannibal Lecter A little himself. bit of a workaround into getting that one in, but that's okay. It's a reach. It's a reach, yeah. but hey, I'm I'm there. So, yeah, so it starts off at that time and the this amulet is plays a very important role. This is the thing that gets that Van Helsing uses to I don't know, get Dracula banished for 126 years or whatever it is. And so when Dracula comes back, and I have to say, a lot of really great practical effects in yeah. the monster transformations, whether it is Dracula, when he's kind of like half man, half bat, or when um, the Wolfman is transforming, a lot of really actually great oh, practical good job effects. On the... I... what, one thing, though, at, at a certain point, when the Wolfman, spoiler alert, I guess, it's when fine. the Wolfman blows up, uh-huh. How does he reassemble? Well, you just see like, like the, the fingers T-1000. twitching, but you don't see things really. Uh, yes, you oh, do. Oh, yeah, you see things moving. But... The arm slides like yeah, that's the right. torso. I, I mean, you you just have to because uh, it cuts <laughs> away from it. it. What are you supposed to do? It's a. Oh, no. It's a silly it's funny. movie. It's a kid's movie. Except it is deep in in parts and oh as in like scary german guy in the holocaust tattoo well as in scary german because it roots it in the reality and he has he only has that one line about monsters yeah he's like you could say i know a thing or two about monsters and then like you just it just shows a shot of the tattoo right but i i felt like that was a it was great it was perfect yes exactly yeah it was a nice it was a it was it was a good touch and it gave it a little depth. Now I have I have a couple of questions, John, that I just wanted to know if you picked up on a okay. couple of things. Uh while I and this is during the montage that happens because there's an amazing eighties montage. This is the montage of them prepping for the monster apocalypse. Gotta get it I don't know what is yeah. that what I don't I don't Gotta know. get the feet tuna. Yeah, that's the song. I don't know if those are the words. But I, yeah, it's I such I a great montage. Like, but first of all, I believe I saw Eugene at one point wearing a Confederate army hat. Uh, I think I remember that. Just, just kind of a weird thing. And John, did you also happen to notice that while uh, Rudy is, I guess he's stealing the bow from the archery range. Oh. <laughs> that the PE teacher is clearly sexually assaulting it's, the girl. There's inappropriate touching going on, and but Rudy in the era of so yeah, yeah we we didn't really talk about uh, about Rudy, 
who is uh, kind of amazingly played by Ryan Lambert, who's I, th- I think he's in Wolfman Got Wolfman's Got Nards. Uh, he's great, and he's like the cool kid who wears the leather jacket and sunglasses all the time, and and he smokes and apparently also killed his father. Oh right, yeah, just like a mysterious tween, you know, like I don't know, pervert. He's that <laughs> right. He's that. He's the really cool kid who bullies the bullies. Yeah, so he stands up for the little guy, and the bullies are afraid of him, which is great. Jason Hervey's one of the bullies. You dropped your candy bar, EJ. Oh God, and he just makes him. He does kind it. of an. He does kind of like a Christian Slater thing before. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, or not. So before, yeah, yeah, so he's like in shop class. Okay. Making wooden stakes, which is one thing. And then he's making silver bullets in shop class. What the hell? I love it. 87, man. I love it. It's so, he's, it's like, oh yeah, he's just, you know, making some wooden stakes just in case a Dracula comes along. You know, it would have been totally doable wood shop situation. What? What would have made that work is if in the background the shop teacher was sexually assaulting like you know one of the guys like at the table uh, saw geez. the same way that the PE teacher was just you know yeah. even Stevens yeah uh, was there anything else that you picked up on that was a little uh, eyebrow raising oh no I mean that was that was pretty much it the whole I, I was a little confused at the whole gimmick of the so they need so it says they need a virgin yeah. to read it. Do they ever specifically say a female virgin? Because that's kind of presenting that is like a, a good point. That's a whole obstacle because I'm like y'all are Take maybe your not Rudy, but Yeah. But I mean even probably Rudy. Yeah. Take your like, pick. Yeah, take your pick. Other than the, other than what's his face's sister, who they act, I, they try to. Get I'd to have do to it. watch the scene where scary German guy is like reading from the book, just to like see if it does say female virgin. Yeah, I, I don't. That one I kind of give them a pass on because, okay, but still, yeah. But still, yeah, it it is kind of great though. And at the end, uh, the like older sisters reading it, and he's like, "You're not really a virgin, are you?" And she's like, "Well, yeah, Bobby, but he doesn't count." <laughs> are you absolutely sure that she is? You're not a virgin, are you? No, no. What do you mean, no? Well, Steve, but he doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> That was so funny and also very, I just, I feel like I'd like, I believe that that situation would happen, that circumstance. Right. Yeah. There could, I imagine there would have been a moment where she was like, just one thing, didn't realize this was going to be all like this. So what I said before, there's kind of a gray area, but like getting Phoebe, the Phoebe, to uh, to read it and to repeat after Scary German Guy, it just is very effective. It's it's a really beautiful moment. Well, and you when Eugene is she a version? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh Eugene. Okay, Eugene. Yeah. So it's, all right. It's a really yeah. really fun movie. Dan, do you remember the first time you saw this one? No, like you said, it must have been an HBO or I'm trying to remember that. Because we had it on a VHS tape, but not I don't think it was one that was purchased. I think mm-hmm. it was like taped off TV, so that it was probably right. it was HBO. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing, yeah, I would have seen it sometime in nineteen eighty eight when yeah. it would have been avail available or when it would have been I was about to say streaming, when it would have been on HBO. It's wild how our vocabulary has changed so much that it feels natural to say that, you know, you caught a little streaming on HBO in 1989 or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. No, they were playing it. They were giving it. They were giving it on, on HBO, yeah, on the much. home box office. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they, were, they were giving it. Who plays in that one again? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. So, John, what else? Oh, and also one more actor that I wanted to point out because he's another one of these guys who's like got played major roles in Mean Streets 
and The Sopranos, and then plays the pilot in this. David right. Proval. Oh yeah, totally. He's just the pilot who gets killed by Dracula at the beginning. Well, not at the beginning, like yeah. towards the beginning. Yeah, I was he's like, also, him? he's also maybe third build in Mean Streets. Yeah. Uh, and did like, a, he was Richie April on The Sopranos. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Jonathan Grice, Grease, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he plays the Wolfman. But a lot of people might know him more recently as uh, Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. Yeah. So he was awesome. I mean, he's been in so much. He's been in so much. He was in uh, Real Genius, um, Monster Squad, clearly. The Grifters, Get Shorty, Men in Black. Uh, He was Van Driver in Men in Black. Um, Let's see. Was that like his name, like Van Driver? Van Driver. Like Van Helsing? Something called the Sasquatch Gang in 2006, The Astronaut Farmer. Uh, he's been working. He's in like several things yeah. a year. Jonathan Grease does not take a day off. Yeah. So uh, big shout out. And who's really great as as the Wolfman? Yeah. Who also has I mean, Nards, every... apparently. Wolfman's got nards. Everyone gives their, really gives their all into this movie. And it's so charming and fun. And maybe it's the nostalgia speaking, but not all movies that I'm nostalgic for from the 80s hold up. Right. And Monster Squad is something, it's also, it's under an hour and a half. Yeah. And it's just fun (laughs) from beginning to end. You, you see the things that are really wacky and you give them a pass. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just you laugh at them because it's that it's that kind and of And you movie. know that like they had to have been having fun making it. Also now knowing that you know there is this documentary made, they are really into the fact that there is this cult following and they all get it. Um I mean, we haven't even talked about Fred Decker who directed this, who didn't have a huge directing career, but definitely a um a really interesting career i yeah and also this was written by him by him and shane black who were i think college buddies so uh fred decker did um like tales from the crypt if looks could kill which i would love to talk about some of the time the affirmation ricochet robocop 3 um was in demolition man uh and wrote uh, co-wrote the latest Predator movie with Shane Black. Right. Yeah, Fred Decker is kind of yeah. He's he's one of those names that's that's been around. Yeah. Oh, if looks could kill, that's a that's a trip. Just see when that one's. So, we'll see, have to see when they're giving that when one they're, on when the that Netflix. one's playing on the on the TV. Yeah. yeah when HBO so is um, it. yeah, Fred Decker. Yeah. Fred Decker is great and. I watched this, I watched the Monster Squad with commentary with him and some of the cast. So, um, Andre Gower and the guy who played Rudy and the girl who played Phoebe. And they were just like having a great time. And they clearly just really enjoyed doing this stuff. And they remembered the production just so fondly. And it made me really happy because yeah. it's like you get the feeling that it was a lot of fun to make. And then it's just co-signed by the actual cast yeah it's it's nice it's 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 great and john what would so what where would you go with this it's obvious i mean i'm sure there's constantly talks well of, before we get on to our ideas i should say in uh this is according to wikipedia uh in 2008 rob cohen who served as producer on the original film said that the rights to the film were back with paramount and there were plans to remake the film. However, he had no desire to direct it. In 2010, it was announced that Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes had officially signed on to produce the film, with Cohen now confirmed to direct, and Mark and Brian Gunn writing the screenplay. 
The announcement of remake of remake and Platinum Dunes involvement was not met with much positive reaction from fans of the original. I could totally see that. In 2014, Platinum Dunes producers Brad Fuller and Andrew Form confirmed that the remake was no longer happening. So it was definitely on the table. Having Michael Bay at all involved, even if it was just as an executive producer, scares me. Um, just to talk a little bit about uh, Rob Cohen, uh, he directed The Hurricane Heist, Boy Next Door, Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Triple X, Stealth, Fast and the Furious, the original. Um, yeah. Didn't he direct the Dragon, the Bruce Lee story? Yes. Dra- that was in 93, very early on in his career. And then Dragon Heart in 96. Um, so had nothing to do with Bruce Lee. No, but just talking about dragons. There you go. Uh, was a producer on the hard way bird on a wire. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. The whiz John Badham. Those are John yeah. Badham mm-hmm. movies. That's right. Oh yes. He was also the second unit director on those movies. So, um, it's, it's interesting that he was involved with the remake. Um, personally, what I would want to see happen is a sequel. Um, yes, a sequel. And my idea is as follows. And before I get any further, I will say I want Fred Decker directing it because I trust that man. I trust him with the squad. So my, my, my idea is that the squad gets together, gets together again to tackle a new batch of monsters themselves from another dimension. So in 87, when they opened up this portal, it actually opened up another side of the portal that they are on in another dimension where they lose and they get sucked into this world. And the past 30 years, they've been, you know, just kind of like scrapping around trying to figure out how to get back to their dimension. And then they've figured out that they just need to take over the lives of their original or i guess the dimension we know themselves in that dimension or it could take place in 1987 and just recast but or a few years later i don't know but i think it'd be fun you look at me like i'm crazy look dan i'm just trying to do something you know different with no i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm 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 thinking about it is it kind of is it Similar. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but just so I can get a grasp on on the concept here, is it a similar concept to like the evil Bill and Ted ver- trying to fight, like take over? Well, evil Bill, Bill and, and Ted. Yeah. Well, evil Bill and Ted are robots set out to destroy right. Bill. And I meant Ted. more the concept, the idea. Yeah, I suppose so. Do they need to? So, so this is the alternate universe monster squad. That's maybe maybe it's like the. I'm thinking of it as as kind of like the less cartoony, more gritty, because you're saying that they lost in that right world. So almost like a post Skynet version of the squad. Yeah, that they're like real, like they lost, but they became real badass. Yeah, because I uh, I mean I see it as like you know they were. Essentially, you know, they were kids when they were sucked into the this dimension that we know. So they've been, I don't know, I'd say kind of like growing up on the underground. Uh, I'm kind of envisioning like the uh, demolition man, like mole people. <laughs> like the mole people? See, I was thinking more like the vampires in Lost Boys. Oh, Okay. They're kind of just living up, uh, living on the outskirts, yeah. and they're just they're they're survivors because that's who they are. Right. They're they they've survived. They're in this world that I imagine their world has become well. Although they wouldn't, they would have gotten sucked in during the battle, right? Yeah. So they would have never come to see the world after the monster takeover. No, correct. Right, but they're right. in essentially our world but like they can't be known to people because they already exist so yes i don't know it's a weird idea 
I get that. No, it's crazy. I, no, I mean, not crazy. I don't mean crazy negatively. I mean, crazy. It's it's interesting. I'm just, I'm kind of chewing on it, yeah, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A remake, I would I would love a remake. If it was, I think a remake. If it was made in the spirit of the original. Well, I, yeah. And so here's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of a remake. So you definitely right now... In, in the zeitgeist, you have the popularity of this type of story. You've got Stranger Things. You've got right. it. And that, you you know, every other thing that's going to copy it. So, I mean, first of all, I would just love there to be a re-release of the original. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, just put it back in theaters and just be like, this is where it all started. Right, which I think and, that Alamo Draft House shows it regularly. I know that that was a big... I I don't know yeah. proponent of the documentary and, and I don't any... live near an Alamo draft house though yet those things are springing up all over the place not anytime soon well so okay yeah uh so I I think and also the other bonus to a remake is that you you don't have name actors in these roles so you're not it's not gonna it's not going to be as difficult to to diehard fans, yes, it's going to be difficult, but I don't think it's gonna be as difficult to sell on you know, like if you tried to remake like we talked about Tootsie other than doing it in the musical form, mm-hmm. remaking Tootsie as a film just because how do you have anyone other than Dustin Hoffman playing that role in that story uh-huh. the musical changes changes things up so i don't think you have that problem here and you also have an opportunity to you know you you remake it you don't have to set it in the 80s you, you could set it today in fact why not because what better time to f- focus your fears on on monsters and we're, we're i guess we're seeing that a little bit more with the, the recent popularity of the invisible man yeah mm-hmm. and by the way very much looking forward to that streaming soon and being I'm presented on your television to, set yes yes they'll be giving it on the television and uh, so a monster squad remake is probably the way they would go in thinking about a sequel it became difficult i think part of Part of it was if I, if I'm watching a sequel, if especially if it's a sequel that's set today, I want to see a lot of the original cast and to not have the Horace character. Well, you'd have to recast be, Horace. Yeah, yeah. So I just I I feel like remaking it would be it would be an opportunity to update it. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, how do you fight monsters? You can't fight monsters with cell phones. No. You need silver bullets that you make in a shop class. Exactly. So Do they have shop class anymore? Is that a thing? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, actually, yeah, no. At my high school, we've got an amazing shop teacher. He's fantastic. So I don't think you'd be able to get away with making bullets in that class, but... It's it, different times. Well, yeah, they so, someone would just be watching a YouTube video on how to do it. Exactly. So that's but and and that's it's kind of interesting because that's the world we live in, and you've got like this world now of, uh, you know, you've got kids who are kind of, you know, zoned out, and then I'm also I'm thinking about a lot of the kids that I that I teach. And not your kindergartners, are, your high school. No, not my kindergartners. Students. No, I'm thinking of my high school students. I'm thinking of a lot of these kids who they they're gamers. They go and right. I don't mean like video games. They go like Magic the Gathering and all. That. There's a place where they all go and hang out. And I'm just I'm I'm thinking I'm like wow. Imagine like this group of kids. They would have been totally into that. The Monster Squad. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So. I, I think it would really work. I think there's this whole great su- the subplot with with his parents, Sean's parents, yeah. who are there. She's leaving him. Right. She's she's on the way out. So and I think it's all still relevant. And 
I think you could definitely change it and work around because there's also a lot of guns. There's a lot, a lot of, of gunplay guns. in this. I, I I think you could just get rid of a lot. Like you know, Horace does not need to have a shotgun. You right. You get rid of you know just throw that out the window. Yeah, you can kill the creature from the Black Lagoon a lot of different ways. Absolutely, and I mean just Gilman, be, just even more ways. Gilman, yeah. Gilman is how he is called right. in this. Though it was very strange, this coming out around the same time as the Lost Boys, where you have the the Frog Brothers right. and like the only people, these kids, and you also have Masters of the Universe. Yep, with a very- fish like creature, Sarad. Sarad, yeah. Uh, Interesting times. So yeah, you don't need you don't need as many guns. That is true. And I would, in thinking of some filmmakers to do this, of course, there's and I'm I'm forgetting. I want to say Joe Cornish uh-huh. who did Attack the Block, which is also it's similar. Yeah. It's similar enough. I could see like speaking of the Invisible Man, Lee Winnell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's just got like a really great energetic style. Sam Raimi. Why not Sam Raimi? Yeah. Well, I, or James Gunn. Yeah, I was I was thinking James Gunn also. Think uh, about like Slither. Think about a yeah. movie like like Slither, which James Gunn did, was one of his earlier movies, and it's just got this fun campy feel to it. So I feel like James Gunn would be uh, would be a fun director. Yeah. Well, uh, he also did Super. Yes, which I yes. think also would have the spirit of something like this with Rain Wilson, Ellen Page, Kevin Bacon in that. If I remember correctly. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of talented people out there who could pull something like this off. Also, it's like if you do a sequel set these days, I mean, it could easily be, I don't know, like a Seth Rogen as Horace and like that whole gang, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe Sean is... James Franco. I feel like James Franco would be Rudy. Uh, Danny McBride would, would be Paul- Rudy. Danny McBride. Would be- Danny McBride. I was about to say Paul Rudd, and then I'm like, Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American Summer is Rudy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I could see so Paul- Danny McBride. No, I, you know who Paul Rudd would be? Scary German guy. <laughs> Get him uh, old it up. No, that would be, it would be John Lithgow. Could be. Christopher Plummer. Except, well... Well, that's the other thing I was thinking about for if you're doing a, a remake. Also, Scary or German Guy set, would be long dead. But that's what I'm saying is if you did anything set today, it wouldn't be Scary German Guy. Like nephew of Scary I, German Guy. Well, no, I just, I, I don't know who it would be. What, who would you have that would kind of, that would take that place? Maybe, maybe like, Maybe a woman who the kids think is a witch or something, and like, oh, it's, it's that witch yeah, who lives on the corner. I don't know. Yeah, if it's and a she's remake, like, yeah. I'm not. And it's like Lily Tomlin or something. She's just oh, like, Lily Tomlin would be great I just, casting. Or Carol like, Kane. I just smoke weed and eat pie. Carol Kane. Oh, so speaking of and so speaking of Carol Kane and and this is similar only in that it has to do with Nazis, but. Hunters on mm-hmm. Prime. Haven't seen I it. I throw in a pitch for that. I, I've, I'm on the last episode. Okay. It has its problems. I'm really enjoying it. And, and one more thing, I'm just kind of jumping in here and tangenting because I forgot this before. Okay. But I didn't, I did not want to forget because this is a podcast where we talk about reboots. I did not want to forget to mention Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Right. Yeah. So you saw it, you watched it. I watched it. I was not planning on on watching it, and I just sat down and thought to myself, oh, okay, curious. I enjoyed Giant, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I loved the, you know, that was what I was watching in college, and then thereafter was Clerks, Mallrats. Yeah. And so I, remind I, me, I, the premise is that Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is being rebooted. Well, yeah, Blunt Man and Chronic. Blunt Man and Blunt Chronic. Blunt Man and Chronic. So, whereas the reality is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is being rebooted, which they go they go through and define what reboots and remakes are. And what it's actually, it's it's a fantastic 
clip that we should probably use on this show. Okay. A reboot, boys, is when Hollywood wants to make a lot of money without the hassle of creating a new movie. So they take an old movie and change just enough to make you pay for the same shit all over again. Those greedy fucking animals. Oh, it's insidious. They take a flick you loved as a kid and add youth and diversity to it. For example, name the movie where a robot has secret plans that could help the good guys beat the bad guys and their leader in a black mask by blowing up a giant ray gun in space. Star Wars. No, The Force Awakens. See, now that's what you call a reboot. Nung. I thought that was a sequel. Hollywood doesn't make sequels anymore. Shit, they don't even make squeakles, yo. Studios have given up on new ideas entirely in favor of building multi-movie universes that breed brand-loyal customers from cradle to grave. So if you like Harry Potter, cash Shinigus, you're getting ten fucking more. You like the Fast and Furious flicks? We're gonna drive the franchise into the ground, bitch. Ooh, you want another Marvel movie? Here we go. Hey, man, those Marvel movies are a triumph of cinema. I live on those Marvel movies. I live for those Marvel movies. I watch those Marvel movies more than I watch Pornhub, and I come twice as hard doing it. So Bluntman and Chronic are being rebooted, but Jay and Silent Bob have unknowingly given away the rights to their names. So uh. they can't go by Jay and Silent Bob anymore unless they stop this reboot from happening. So they have to go to Hollywood oh my God. again and try to... And try to stop the movie from happening. And yeah, they bring back God, like anybody who's ever been in a Kevin Smith movie comes back. And some of the scenes, like Ben Affleck right. has a scene. Not surprising. It's, it's really nice. Well, no, he was, it was last minute because oh, yeah. him and Kevin Smith have uh, had some beef. Oh, did they? Except for Kevin, well, Kevin Smith, Smith, who's gone vegan. Well, yes. And Kevin Smith, in going uh, vegan, I think, made amends for the reasons for the beef. Mm. And so Ben Affleck is back and does a cameo. Nice. It was a lot of, and it's very, it's very meta. And if you don't like Kevin Smith, and you don't like the Kevin Smith self-referencing humor. And all that. Not for you. It's not for you. Yeah. But for me, I just, I found myself enjoying it. And I, I even like laughed out loud uh -huh. sitting here watching it alone. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. So uh, along the lines of, well, I was going to say along the lines of remakes and reboots, but that's what this podcast is. But yes. I, I want to address something that we haven't talked about on this podcast before. Uh, and this is uh, off topic from the Monster Squad. So if there's anything else Monster Squad related you want to talk about, let's. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I segued us right. Out. I yeah. didn't even segue us out of Monster Squad. So something that in the hysteria these days of, oh, there's no original movies and everything's a remake or a reboot, which, as you and I know, not true. Um and also that this stuff has been going on for a very long time and in a lot of ways that you haven't realized it. And I want to recognize who I think may be the king of remakes from the 90s, Steve Martin. You've got Father of the Bride, Cheaper by the Dozen, Sergeant Bilko, so many remakes I know it's not the 90s, but Pink Panther. Pink Panther, definitely. I mean, yes, that definitely still counts. But Steve Martin was doing tons of remakes. And Steve Martin is also one of the most, you know, original writers. And, you know, it doesn't, one doesn't mean you aren't the other. I know it's not the 90s, but Roxanne. Right. Roxanne Cyrano is Bergerac. a, I guess, adaptation it's an adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac. It's, it's a remake. It's a remake of Cyrano yeah. de Bergerac. It's set in, you know, yeah. whatever, California in the 80s. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. And it just got me thinking about all of the amazing movies from the 90s and early 2000s that are remakes and or reboots. Um, if you are thinking of, I guess, The Pink Panther would kind of be reboot because it is a series. Yeah. But it doesn't... It, it doesn't connect to the Peter Sellers. Like That's the true. son of Pink that's Panther true. with Roberto Benigni does yes. connect. So, but so yeah. what I was, so that's a, that's so a what reboot. I, so what Father I was, of the Bride is a remake. Yes. Sorry. So what I was thinking 
is that it will be fun since we haven't been doing our Lorenzo's oil connections since Margot Martindale was actually in the movie that we were talking about that kind of ended that. That was how we won the game. I was thinking it'd be fun to put together a little bit of a bracket of the remakes of the 90s and let's say early 2000s. Or if you just want to do remake of, of 90s, then we could keep it to 90s. But just at the end of each oh. at the end of each show, maybe we'll just uh you know, put two of them head to head and see which one ekes out as as the way we see it the best. Without okay, I, rewatching them and everything, but just a little just yeah. a little segment. What, you, what, you want to throw one out there? Or not you, not uh, yet, because I want to put the bracket together. But I, I'm oh, sorry yeah. that I'm springing a, a segment idea on you while we're recording, but... No, you know I love this, so... Good, good. So yeah. uh, we, we, can, uh, we can put that together and then maybe get started on it in the next episode. And speaking of the Absolutely. next episode... And speaking of the next episode, we are talking about a movie that, to the best of my knowledge, has not been remade or sequeled or anything. Fascinating movie that a lot of people don't talk about. And I wasn't aware of it until John brought it to my attention. And that movie would be? nineteen Would be the 1966 film Seconds. Yeah, starring Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson. And directed yeah. by John Schlesinger. There you go. Yes. So I look forward to uh, to talking with you about Seconds. I'm and excited. For anybody listening, if you have thoughts about any of the movies we've talked about in the past or Seconds, email us, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram, ruinedchildhoodspod. Dan has been uh, taking on the role of social media manager for Ruined Childhoods. And that's I'm doing, doing my best. Job. Yeah, doing my best. For sure. So anyway... Uh, as we as we like to say here, good journey. Good journey, everybody. And stay healthy. Stay healthy.